Genealogies make a comeback. Gentiles are loved by Jesus. And jerks try to kill the Savior of the world. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. We remind you to like, subscribe, comment, and we are continuing in the Gospel of Luke today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Longest Gospel. If you're reading some of these chapters and you think, man, I thought I was going through like Matthew a lot faster, it's because these <laughs> chapters are a lot longer. So uh, less chapters than Matthew, but a longer Gospel overall. We saw last week, Luke was the writer of Luke. Again, we're just yes. throwing all these curveballs at you guys. Yes. Crazy. Yep. Um, you'll never guess who who wrote John. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Luke, who was a friend of and a companion of Paul, mm-hmm. and a doctor as well. Yep. And he's Super got a doctor. Yeah. And so he yeah. he's he's putting together a history here. He's done his research and he's right now. So that's one of the big themes of this book is salvation history. Mm-hmm. He's looking at the big scope of God's plan and how things are working together. Yep. And even that word plan. Or, or you know, purpose of God is is present quite a bit in Luke Acts. Mm. Remember, they, he wrote both books, so they kind of they kind of uh, go together in a sense. Some people, I used to hear people say that they were written like as one book. I don't think that's true. You know that they just like stop the yeah, scroll, cut off. But yeah, I was asking about that. I don't, yeah. I don't actually. You can't know. get an extra large scroll, so you had to cut it off or something. Yeah, you couldn't import it from wherever. Yeah, yeah. but no, I mean, it seems like how he writes it is like I gave you this account before. Giving you part two, so it's but it is very connected. I mean, it's, it, it seem a bit, you know, laborious to have something that long. I would feel like, you know, it's like it's like okay, the Lord of the Rings is good, but then you do like the Lord of the Rings extended edition, and it's just like too long, you know. Yeah, like let's separate out the story a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> like or just just drag it out like the Hobbit, just keep yeah. trying to milk it for more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he's got his history going. He, there's a big focus on salvation and Savior. So I mean, just. Like we finished with last week, I, I just kind of skimmed over this, but when, um, where am I here? I'm on the wrong wrong page. <laughs> when uh, old man Simeon uh, departs the world in peace, dies in peace because he sees Jesus, right? He's like, now I can die. Yeah. Now I can die. And I don't know. Does he just go home and die? It's like, yeah, of course. Give it up now. But, <laughs> um, but he says, now, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In verse 30, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. So looking at baby Jesus, he's saying, now I have seen salvation Mm. in the flesh, right? I mean, that's how significant Jesus is, and he gets it. And so that theme is is really big. You see that in the announcement of the birth, um, the the song of uh, Zechariah as well, that Mm -hmm. he's speaking of salvation coming and the forgiveness of sins. These are big, big ideas that are present in the rest of Scripture, but they're also present at the very beginning of Jesus' uh, arrival. Yeah, I mean, just a small note, I think it's crazy to see, like, even that small example of Simeon's faith, like, to say, like, oh, my life is completely satisfied because I've seen the Jesus, you know? Yeah. Um, that's crazy. We've actually, like, get to read and taste and see, like, the gospel and our church and the proclamation of it and communion, and yet we still worry about our life and what it's going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's absolutely. kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see the faith of these, you know, people in the in the they scriptures it, and be encouraged. You know? Yeah, we get to see yeah. that every day. And we and he didn't know how it would work. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Incredible uh, un- unveiling of God's plan and what the end is going to look like. So mm-hmm. we have so much more than he did. Yeah. And yet he got it. Yeah. We'll also see a focus on the humanity of Jesus. We'll see that in chapter three today. While well, we're getting some noises here, I don't know if they get picked up on the on the mics, but 
who cares? <laughs> I guess I don't really listen to it, so <laughs> who cares? Um, uh, we'll see a focus on the outcasts in society, mm-hmm. women, the poor, Gentiles, all that. Big focus for Luke. Uh, parables, that'll kind of be in two weeks, I think, when we yeah. get to chapter 15 and beyond. But And then this movement toward Jerusalem. Jesus mm-hmm. is progressing toward Jerusalem. So we'll see. We'll kind of end his Galilean ministry by the end of today, and then we'll see some of that movement toward Jerusalem next week. Cool. Awesome. Um, sweet. Outline. Just briefly yeah. go over it. We don't need to do yeah, it. Yeah, a lot, so we know? saw the, the, the intro in preparation for the ministry in the first four chapters, first three chapters, and the Galilean ministry is mm-hmm. kind of the first first section of the book yep. through chapter nine. And then it's a journey to Jerusalem for about 10 chapters. Right. And then by chapter, uh, end of chapter 19, Jesus is in Jerusalem doing ministry. And then uh, we see the passion narrative 22 to 24. Very cool. Yep. Love it. Well, I want to get into the text. You want to get into the text? Mm-hmm. We are in chapter three, so if you follow along with us, that would be awesome. Chapter three. I mean, we, we didn't mention this, but it's it's really interesting that Luke is the only gospel who mentions an event in the the childhood of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where yeah, Jesus is in the temple, and he's like, "What? Why? Why would you think I would be traveling with you?" That's oh, an amazing story. <laughs> and it, yeah, why is it that he's? This is the only account of that. You know, is it because Luke was going on getting these stories? Like, is it because it's unique to his? Like. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both, yeah. right? Like, did other people know the story? I'm, I'm sure they did, but um, the fact that he's he's recording such a historical account, right? He's yeah. focused on different events, but also, I mean, the focus on the temple, right? The importance of the temple for Jesus. This idea of it's necessary. He uses that word "it's necessary" a lot in his gospel, but he needed to be in his father's house, mm-hmm. and then he's teaching the scribes and and the you know, so he's teaching the people that will then fight him later in his life. Right. He's already at that point got more knowledge than them. Yeah. And he's he's uh, schooling them quite literally. Yeah. yeah, not to mention of the um, parental guidance we glean from Jesus's parents. You know, yeah. I don't, you know, obviously cultures are different. You know, maybe you'll forget your kid from time to time at the grocery store. I don't, I don't know what kind of parent you are, but um, we definitely see that with um, Jesus's parents, you know, in that passage in chapter two. Yeah. I mean, they, had, they probably had a few kids at this point, you know, but... Um, yeah, the fact that they're like a day's journey in, they're like, <laughs> we really should find our oldest child. You know, the guy's yeah. going to be the savior of the world. Exactly, yeah. This one that was uh, prophesied about and angels, yeah. you know. We have like cameras on our kids at all times. Like, yeah, exactly. Surveilling them. Yeah, we're surveilling them. Of, China's surveilling them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, Google's watching them yeah. for us. You know, it's, it's yeah, very different times. Yeah. Cool. Chapter uh, but chapter, chapter three, so we see John the Baptist ministry. A lot of this is familiar, but I thought it was, it was something that was interesting that's kind of unique to the Gospel of Luke is some of the stuff he talks to people about. So he's, you know, we see this in other Gospels. He's confronting people. He's saying, repent. Um, he's, he's preparing the way for Jesus. But in verse 10 of Luke 3, the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? So they're yeah. like, okay, tell us what to do. How do we repent of our sins? And he begins to focus on money. Yeah. Like in every one of these things, he's focusing on money or wealth. So verse 11, he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. So share. Sharing is caring. Maybe learned that when we were five years old. But he's saying you should be generous with your money. Yeah. So generosity marks a person repentant of their sins. Yeah. Very interesting that he chooses that. I do love the way John starts, you know, his, or kind of like 
his like kind of mic drop moment in his message, you know, it says that even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees in verse nine. Yeah. That every tree that therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Yeah. Um, more preachers like that, please. <laughs> I'm going to burn you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that you won't hear that. Too but yeah. Much. And then he goes into what, just what you were saying. Yeah. Be, you know, so. be generous. Tax collectors in verse 12 say, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you were authorized to do. So, mm. To the first group, he says, be generous. To them, he says, don't be greedy. Yeah. And then to the soldiers as well, they say, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Mm. So don't be greedy, but also have contentment with money. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very interesting that those are the, the, the three examples and they all revolve around wealth. Hmm. But it's a good reminder for us of how we treat money is so important. Yeah. And it shows a lot about our spiritual condition. Hmm. So that, that's good, interesting uh, tidbit from that chapter, I think. And then we see the genealogy of Jesus in, in, in Luke 3, which was you know, promised to you in the intro here. Very, very important stuff here. And I, I think this is actually um, very interesting to point out. So there's a couple things that are unique. Probably that stood out to you as you were reading. It's different than the genealogy of, of Matthew in a few ways. There's mm-hmm. certain names that are not the same. Right. But look at how, and it's also backwards, right? So in genealogy of, mm, you know, it went to yeah. Jesus and this goes from Jesus back. It goes further back yeah, than Abraham. Exactly. Adam, it goes to yeah. Adam. Yeah. It goes to God, actually. Um, and then we see, you know, it's kind of the structure and all that. But what's happening here? Well, look at the intro. It says, Jesus, this is chapter 3, verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph... And then he goes into the genealogy from there. So as was supposed, it might indicate that he's actually starting to give the genealogy not of Joseph like Matthew did, but of Mary. Hmm. And so a lot of people think that's what's happening here. So he's saying people supposed him to be the son of Joseph, but he was the grandson of, you know, of Heli and going on from there as to, you know, who, who he is. So they would have had similar a similar lineage because both of them were born of David, right? They came through David's lineage, but uh, but it would be different in the sense that Joseph was a direct heir to the throne, right? whereas Mary was. So he's adopted into the um, the line of David, deserving of the throne right, mm-hmm. by adoption, which we saw was so important you know, back in our reading of Jeremiah because of Jeconiah's curse. Mm-hmm. So no son of, you know, anyway, we, I don't want to get into that right now, but this was a way to solve that crucial problem hmm. in the history of Israel. But he also is of lineage of David by birth. And, um, and again, it goes all the way back to, to Adam, the son of God. Hmm. So in, in uh, Luke's focus on the humanity of Jesus, which he probably focused on a little bit more than other gospels, here he's going back to Adam. So uh, with Matthew, who's focused on Abraham and David as kind of those key figures. And of course, we saw that big focus on David, how Jesus is fulfilling the promises to David in 2 Samuel 7, how he's fulfilling the blessing promises to Abraham, mm-hmm. right? So all those promises to Abraham. And then in the Gospel of Luke, he's focused a little bit more on Jesus as fulfilling uh, Adam's commission. right? So undoing the sin of Adam, the curse of Adam, but also um, doing the work of Adam. As the as the original man, right, resisting temptation, yeah. things like that. I mean, I feel like that helps, like his his generalized Gentile target audience, you know. Yeah. And like his like 
30,000 foot view of like what's going on here with the coming of Jesus, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. That worldwide scope is clearly in view here. Yeah. Um, in a, in a distinct way mm -hmm. in the gospels. Yeah. Um, let's look at this though, this beginning of Jesus's ministry so that the shift comes in verses 14 and 15. He's actually beginning his ministry now. And we enter into that next section. And in verse 16, we see this story of Jesus going to his hometown of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. So we know he's already been ministering. So right. in the Gospel of John, we know his first miracle, right? He's at Cana mm -hmm. and in Galilee, and he does that miracle. And so he's already had some ministry, but right. where Luke picks it up is here for a special purpose. Um, so he'll say, he says later, right, like, you're going to tell me to do what I did at Capernaum. <laughs> so, he, so he's already been doing some, some works, clearly. Right. But as he comes, he comes to Nazareth, essentially, to preach in his hometown. Right. He he opens the scroll and he begins to preach from the the word of God in the prophet Isaiah, mm -hmm. and it's one of these servant songs, right? About the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and how the year of jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, is coming in. Mm -hmm. And so he sets down the scroll, sits down, which was customary for the teaching that they would sit down while teaching, and he says, "This scripture today has been fulfilled in your hearing." Right. And so it says, you know, in verse twenty-two, all spoke well of him and marvelled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So they were impressed. They, they like what he's saying. And then he starts to upset them. <laughs> he starts to go at them in a way that's very strange. So he says, verse 23, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. And then he, he goes on to say, verse 24, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And then he gives two different stories. So he says, first, there, was, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, but, verse 26, Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Mm -hmm. So he says, there was lots of needs, but because in part of the rejection of Israel, but also because of the plan of God, Elijah was sent to a Gentile woman to mm -hmm. meet her needs yeah. and, to, and, to, and to heal her, right? That's very strange, right? Or to, get, to provide her with food. And then verse 27 it goes to Elisha. So it says there's many lepers in Israel, but Elisha was sent to none of them except for Naaman the Syrian. Mm -hmm. So he brings up the story from you know, 2 Kings where Naaman the Syrian is healed, a, a general of a foreign army that hated Israel. Right. So what's the point of the sermon? That's the, that's the end of the sermon, right? So what's the point of the sermon? Well, it seems to be about the election of God. Mm-hmm. And the election of God specifically targeted toward the Gentiles. He's saying, don't you see that God's people have been rejecting God's prophets forever and that God is sending them to the Gentiles mm -hmm. and that God chooses the unlikely, the outcast, the unexpected person to bring salvation to them. Hmm. And this infuriates the people. Yeah. So the people who... I mean, again, we just read it, right? They say, hey, this is Joseph's son. Like, I know this guy. Mm -hmm. He's a hometown hero, right? <laughs> his hometown people, his friends, his community, in verse 28, it says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. That's a quick change in friendships, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, pretty pretty stark, you know, <laughs> that that would happen. Um, so, 
so what's going on here? Well, they hear the message of God's going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and this is too much for them. Mm-hmm. Right? It infuriates them. It uh, fills them with rage, and they are they want to kill Jesus. Mm. And this is the nature of that message. It's an incredibly offensive message right. that Jesus would bring salvation not to his people as they had predicted, mm-hmm. but to the whole world. Now we know he he brings it to both, right? Right. But there is something that happens with the rejection of the Jewish people that they mm-hmm. reject Jesus, and therefore the message is then brought to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So this focus from Luke, who himself was a Gentile, is super important. And don't forget the the context in which he was ministering, where. Paul is going to the Gentiles, right? Paul makes that transition in his ministry where he says, from now on, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, and he goes all the way to Rome. Right. So that focus is, is very much in view in, in Luke's own ministry. Cool. Awesome. My my uh, computer here died. Oh, did it? It had 10%, 10% battery. Yeah. 10%, I guess, was was not enough. No, um, not for an iPad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to get my laptop here, actually. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> what we got next? TSA. Oh, we're going to talk about Sermon on the Plain. Sermon on the Plain, yeah. So Sermon on the Plain, there's a lot of questions here, right? So uh, Sermon on the Plain, it it looks like a, a toned-down version of the Sermon on the Mount. Right. So what's what's happening here? So some people yeah, will say... Like Beatitudes and stuff like that. In there. Yeah, some people will say, oh, well, Jesus, you know, he... Um, he this kind of proves that the Gospels aren't true. They conflict mm-hmm. because... In Matthew 5, we see this is happening on a mount, mm-hmm. and here the same sermon is happening on a plane. Right. Checkmate. <laughs> the entire mm. Bible is false, right? <laughs> um, that's the kind of stuff that people will throw out there. I, I get it. It's a little confusing, but we do see this is not the same sermon. Right. Like there's a lot, there's some overlap here, but it's definitely different. There's right. some key differences. And so some people will say, I think there's I think it's kind of not the best explanation, but some people will say, well, Jesus was preaching on the mountain and then as he's preaching on the mountain not everyone can hear him so he kind of comes down the mountain on the same event and he's preaching on the plain as well kind of repeating the same stuff okay you know maybe you have thousands of people there they can't all hear his voice i think probably that's not what's happening i think probably this is a different event and jesus is jesus had sort of certain elements to his teaching that were the same Mm -hmm. right like if you write a great sermon you, and you give it to your church, and someone invites you to their church, you're going to bring the greatest sermon that you got, right? right? Typically, right? You try to pull out your best stuff. I always ask Laura, like, what's my, what's a good thing I should, I should, uh, you know, preach it somewhere else? And she's like, I, I like everything. That's a great answer, <laughs> but not helpful. You just do a great job, babe. Uh, like, okay. Um, but, you know, so he was probably taking some of the same elements and preaching yeah. them multiple times yeah. to different audiences. Right. So that's probably what's happening here as well. So, but interesting stuff with the with the, the uh, sermon on the plane. I just really think the the beatitudes and the woes here are very interesting. Right. So the beatitudes are a little bit different, right? Blessed are you, verse twenty. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people who hate you and they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Yeah. It's like the opposite then after that. Yeah. but So that's yeah. that's all pretty familiar. That all sounds like the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and obviously, I just always think it's fascinating how he views persecution and getting made fun of or 
hated or I don't know, excluded from a promotion or whatever, because you're a Christian yeah. as something that we should be rejoicing in. Right. That's like one of the best things I could like jump for joy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's such a great reminder of how silly we often can be. We see it as someone's upset with Christians, right? Oh, there's a, there's a negative article about Christians or someone doesn't like Christians like, Oh no, what can we do to fix this? And the reality might be, might be, that you're doing the right thing because of that. Right. You know? So you look at how scripture actually speaks of this, it's very different from how we think of it. Hmm. But then you have the the negatives, which are not, they're not uh, the woes, I guess you could say. They're not present in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. So it says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And that's interesting because it's different from in the Gospel of Matthew, it's blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. So it may not be, you know, those who are physically poor. Right. Those who are more spiritually poor. But here it seems like he's actually speaking to rich versus poor. Right. And we've seen that theme already here in Luke. But yeah. If your yeah. hope is in re-riches, yeah. that's all you got. Right. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. That is one of the most convicting verses mm-hmm. in the scriptures to me. Mm. Are people speaking well of me? Am, am I liked by everyone? Uh, something is something is wrong. Hmm. That's crazy. That is crazy. Again, none of us really think that way. I don't think. Right. Um, so it's a g- good reminder of, uh, of Jesus' teaching. But anyway, th- there's some differences here in this abbreviated version, really, of the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. that I think indicate that it's uh, a different sermon at a different time. Let's look at uh, s- chapter 7. I can't, I can't see our timer. Everything's messing up. All the technology is messing up. Uh, that's that's not helpful to me at all. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're just gonna push on. Yeah. Technology, Satan. This is Satan's work. Clearly, yes. Devil's um, afoot. Yeah. <laughs> Luke seven one. So after this is so I won't read the whole thing. But what happens here is a centurion comes to to Jesus, mm-hmm. and what's really fascinating is the way that Jesus responds to the centurion. So mm-hmm. he's Jesus loves everyone. We're not surprised by that, right? But uh, but what, how he speaks to him and how he's thought of is really interesting. Mm. So first of all, in verse 4 of chapter 7, we see that this is a worthy man who loves Israel, who's built the synagogue there locally. So this is a God-fearer. He already loves God. And then not only that, but he, he has an incredible faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And again, we saw this in, in Matthew. But Jesus praises him. He praises him and says, I haven't found greater faith than this in all of Israel. Yeah, what a statement, right? So a Gentile is standing out as someone who is honored. That's very significant. Mm-hmm. And again, a reminder of, G- of Luke's Gentile focus that keeps happening. Um, in, in Luke, let's look at the end of Luke chapter 7. Luke seven thirty six. we see a story. This is a story, again, that's kind of familiar from, from the other Gospels of a woman coming and honoring Jesus by breaking the you know alabaster flask and pouring it on his feet and wiping her. Wiping his feet, feet with her hair. Yeah, this is constant feet wiping here, though. What's that? This is constant feet wiping. Constant feet wiping? Just yeah. ongoing you yeah. know, feet wiping? Since, since she's entered the house, you've not stopped you know, washing my feet. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's impressive. Yeah. But there's this, what's, <laughs> what's different is there's this dialogue between Simon, the Pharisee, and Jesus. And Jesus is teaching him about his viewpoint of this woman, mm-hmm. who, again, is an outcast of society, not just because she's a woman, but because she also is a sinful woman. She's right. identified in that way. So she's probably immoral, sexually, something like that. And she is giving a gift to Jesus. She's worshiping him, and Jesus is receiving that. Right. But he doesn't receive the worship 
well, the lack of worship and the lack of humility of Simon. Mm-hmm. And so he, he asked him a question, right? If people are forgiven a debt, one of 500 denarii, the other 50, and both those debts were canceled, who is going to be more thankful? Who's going who's gonna to be more joyful about that? Mm-hmm. And Simon answers, verse 43, the one mm-hmm. for whom the, he canceled the larger debt. Right. And Jesus uses this as a picture of what this one understands, which is that it's not it's not the problem of you know how much sin do you have? Everyone has sin, but she understands how much of her debt was forgiven. Mm. She understands what Jesus is doing if he forgives her, if he accepts her, given how sinful she is. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's an incredible incredible story, but a good reminder of again this theme of the outcast and the uh, the women in Jesus's ministry. Mm. We also see women in Jesus's ministry in uh, chapter eight, right? We see the same focus again at the beginning of chapter 8. Um, it says, Soon afterward he went through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Hmm. So, Again, this is unique because of, we said, the, the place of women in that society. But these women are f- disciples of Jesus, so he actually allows them to travel with his entourage. Right. Um, it's probably a pretty big entourage. And when you hear the disciples of Jesus, it probably is not just referring to just the 12. Mm-hmm. Usually will signal, uh, you know, it'll signify the 12 if it's speaking of them. But the disciples of Jesus were a company. Hmm. And these ladies are traveling with Jesus, and they're wealthy. And right. they're funding his ministry. Right. So Jesus has these wealthy patron women specifically that are that are very influential, very important. Yeah, that's awesome. And one of them is actually related to Herod's household. That's a very fascinating mm. thing as well. Yeah, crazy. Right. That she, that someone has a has a role in Herod's household who's related to this woman. So, um, great. So so there's a I mean a lot we could take away from this where we see again some of the. That we see the parables starting, some familiar parables. We see Jesus calming a storm, um, Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. But I think the the big takeaways for today, um, I mean, there's, there's, of course, we could talk every time about God's forgiveness for those who humble themselves before him. Right. Um, that God does not care. As obvious as this should be in our reading of Scripture, it's good to remind ourselves of it. God does not care about your status in society. God does not ultimately care about how many sins you've committed. He mm-hmm. cares about whether you are seeking forgiveness from Him. Right. What is your what is your posture toward Him? Yeah, that is the I should say that's the crucial thing. Mm-hmm. God cares about everything in a sense, but that's the crucial thing in terms of being accepted by God. Right, is do you humble yourself before Him? Um, but then I also think it's just a good on a practical level to think about. John the Baptist charged to us of how we deal with our money, how mm-hmm. we view our wealth. Are we generous people? Are yeah. we greedy people? Are we content with what we have? Mm. What are the what are the patterns in your heart? Those things are huge indicators of your own spiritual walk. Yeah. And so it's so important for us to to be mindful of that and to take time as we read through this gospel to reflect on that and to ask ourselves what does our use of money say about us? Yeah. Yeah, we might not like what we what we see. <laughs> so we gotta, be, oh, I think, we gotta be honest though. Yeah, in this life we often don't like what we see in our own hearts, but that's why we need Jesus. Yeah, so absolutely. He forgives. So. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel, and we'll see you next week for the next part of Luke.